Hey, turn in your Bibles with me. If you got a Bible, you got an app, you can utilize that, some type of device, something that will turn to a passage in God's Word. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 in whatever device or printed Bible that you have. Go with me to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. I want us to read a couple of verses together. We will jump ahead. I'm not trying to take things out of context. I'm just trying to grab the stuff that's relevant to what we're talking about today. So I'm going to read verse 1, part of verse 4, and then verses 6 and 7. Genesis chapter 12, 1, 4, 6, and 7. And if you don't have a Bible with you or device, uh, this will be on the screen. Beginning reading in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Verse 6, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Turn your attention to the screen and find out what the big announcement is. We are standing on 40 acres of property about one mile west of exit 20 of 575 near the Riverstone Commercial Development. But if you happen to be driving by, you would have no idea how we got here and what the future of this land might be. It was just a little over three years ago that we felt led of the Lord to open up a new location of Mount Perrin North out in the Canton area. Sequoia High School opened their doors to us and in January of 2012, we had our first Sunday service in our Canton location. Now, nearly 150 Sunday services later, we're going strong, and we have an amazing crew of volunteers that every Sunday morning early show up at Sequoia, set up for church, and then tear everything down when church is over, store it for the week, only to do it all again the following Sunday. You know, we always knew we wouldn't be at Sequoia forever. So even before we held our very first service, we began looking for a more permanent home for Mount Fair in North Canton. And about the last three years, we've looked at over 60 pieces of undeveloped property, warehouses, storefronts, anything that we felt might be a more permanent, suitable home for us as a campus. Well, earlier this year, a businessman who is a longtime member of Mount Perrin North took out a contract on this 40-acre parcel that we're standing on for his own business purposes. But then he felt led of the Lord to make us aware of this property and he came to us saying this could possibly be a permanent location for Canton or at least an asset that we could use to generate funds for a future permanent location. And he said if we felt like this property was for us, he would donate the cost of the land to us. Well, we immediately went into a, a season of due diligence. Myself, Pastor Jeremy, other pastors, our trustees, other church leaders, we began to research the land, do site visits, have a conversations with a lot of other people, and obviously spent a ton of time in prayer. After all of that, we felt strongly that God was giving us this land, so we accepted the man's offer, and here we are. You know, just this past week, we closed on the property that is valued at $1.1 million. And again, this man has pledged and begun giving so that the church will not incur any cost for us to acquire this property. It's an incredible blessing to us as a church. We begin the now process of due diligence to see about the development of this property, see what the cost might be. And in the coming months, we'll continue to discuss if we're going to utilize this property for our permanent home or to leverage it as that asset to create financial flexibility for us as a church. We don't know 
what the future holds for our two locations. But in this process, I have been reminded, and I think Pastor Jeremy has too, of the faithfulness of God and His calling upon us to build His church. You know, it was just 27 years ago that we felt led of the Lord to open what is now our Marietta campus. And then we didn't know all that God was doing. We didn't know all that He had in store for us. But I can tell you this, throughout those 27 years, year in and year out, we have seen the faithfulness of God. Lean years, prosperous years. God has never failed us. And now just a little over three years that we've opened the Canton campus, see what God has done. A great reminder that He owns it all. And we are so grateful to Him for His generosity and faithfulness. We are grateful to this businessman for his obedient faith and generosity to us. And we are excited about the days ahead, about what God is going to do. And we just are looking forward to continuing to help more people live Christ-centered lives in Canton, Marietta, and around this world for one purpose, and that is for the glory of God. I think this has been a harder secret to keep than when we were pregnant. <clears throat> but for the last few months, we have been engaged in this process uh, where God really opened this incredible door to us. And just so that you understand, because we were talking with our volunteers this morning, you know, I think if someone were to show up today and write a check for $1.1 million or to bring however much cash that might be, that would be awesome to see that. But if somebody just gave that to us, I think I said earlier that Duffy would strip naked and run out in the road and dance and do a jig, and that would be unbelievable in itself. But I think sometimes when it's dirt and trees and grass, I have in this process lost sight a little bit of the incredible blessing of God that he has entrusted to us. I mean, 40 acres of property, which is larger really than the properties that we had been searching prior to that. I mean, we had looked at some other pieces in a lot of different uh, places. We started literally across the road from here and kind of worked our way in Hickory Flat and Holly Springs and into Canton, even in the North Woodstock area and up into Canton. We've looked at all kinds of different pieces of property. And, and every single one of those, even those that we felt like had a great, great potential for us, at some point in that process, the door closed. And that's what we've prayed every time. God, wherever this is not you leading, close the door. And wherever you are leading us, open the door. And so throughout this process, whether it was the financial you know, needs that the person that was selling the property, they needed a certain amount and we just never felt comfortable with that amount, or it was the location, or it was some of the, the development things that were going to be required to utilize the property, we just, those doors closed. And as we were looking, here's how it even actually went down. I was actually looking at a different piece of property. I was looking at about 10 acres, not too far from here, over kind of closer to the uh, maybe Holly Springs exit of 575, just a little north of that. I was looking at a 10-acre piece of property, and I was uh, inquiring of some folks that could help me do a little research on that land. And as a part of that process, this businessman approached us and said, I've actually been made aware, and I've got a piece of property under contract, and it's not 10 acres, it's 40 acres. And I think that God might be leading me to give this to you. $1.1 million worth of property is ours. We closed on it about 10 days ago, 
our name is on it. We own it. And it's unbelievable. I have some friends who are at a similar stage in kind of their church life cycle. And, you know, maybe they're at a few stages ahead of us as they're trying to build and maybe get out of portable or get out of a rented space. And their process has looked like this. Raise money, buy land, raise money, build a building. Well, guess what God just did? He allowed us just to skip that whole first part of that. And he just gave to us a bunch of land. Now, what you heard in the video and what you may hear from us over the next few weeks or months is that we don't know if that's going to be where we build a church. And that's true. Our plan is, our hope is that that's where we're going to build. But what we did feel God leading us for sure is to accept the donation of the cost of this property. No questions asked. We, we researched it. We prayed about it for sure. But I mean, we, we never felt hesitation from God. We never felt the door close. And so we just felt like all along, yeah, this is what God's saying to us. And so we wanted to accept that donation. And now we've started into the process of determining if we're going to develop this property. What are the costs related to the development? What kind of building do we need? We've got some of those initial thoughts and plans and dreams and things that we've already started. But we're going to begin that process, or we actually already have. And we're going to determine if that's where we're going to land. And so we might. My hope is, my plan is to come to you in a few weeks or a few months and say, hey, we're going to go and build on this property that God gave us, and here's how much it's going to cost, and here's how we're going to raise that money. But it could be that God has just given us this incredible asset. He's dropped it into our laps to say, hey, I've got an even better future for you, and it's in a different location, but now you own this, and so I want you to sell that and take all the money that you make off that and go and pay cash for this thing over here or something like that. I've begun to realize that I can't guess what God is doing. I can't really always determine how God might be working in the midst of all these things that he is doing in and through us, but here's where I keep coming back to. God laid it on a man's heart to give this property to us. I ran across this quote this week that really connects to that idea. I cannot attribute this quote, so please know that I'm not trying to plagiarize it. I just I searched it and couldn't find it. I just found this unknown quote, and it says this. Where God guides, he provides. Where God guides, he provides. And Pastor Mark talked about it in the video. It was a little over three years ago we started this process of kind of coming to Canton. Originally, we knew we wanted to go somewhere, but we didn't know where. We knew we wanted to open a campus. We knew God was leading us in that direction, but we had no idea where we were going to land. And during that process, through prayer and research and study and conversations, we really felt like Canton just illuminated on the map to us. And we opened up here in Sequoia in January of 2012. It was three years ago this month. It was just 10 days ago Uh, October 9th, that we celebrated the three-year anniversary of our first preview service. And it's amazing what God's done in just those three years and the almost three years that we've fully been open since that January of 2012. It's amazing to me. But I know that God was the one guiding us here. And this process has reminded me that not only did he guide us here, he is providing for us here. He saw fit to entrust this resource to us because he knows the plans that he has for us now and in our future. And and as I thought about that, that's really where I've gotten hung up. I haven't gotten hung up on this idea of, are we going to build on that land? I I hope so. I believe so. I was up there last night. You're going to find out why in a minute. I was up there last night, and I I, I took my whole family up there. Corey, we had the four kids, and man, we we were in the car, and it was cold, and I was out of the car, and everybody else was in, and we were about to leave, and I looked up. It was the clear skies. Maybe you saw it last night. It was the clear skies, and there were trees kind of around where I was at, and I was standing there just behind my car, and I just looked up into the heavens, and I saw these incredible stars, 
And I saw the trees kind of swaying back and forth a little bit in the breeze. And I, I felt the rocks and the dirt underneath my shoes. And I said these words to God. God, I don't know what you have in mind. But help me to be faithful enough and discerning enough to hear from you in relation to this property. But God, before I ever get there, thank you so much for providing. Man, I just, I just sat there and I looked at it. It wasn't long. I'm not, it wasn't a five-minute deal. It wasn't, I didn't have a church service up there. I got four kids. They weren't going to allow that. They were ready to go home. It was like 30 seconds with Jesus. And I just looked up into the heavens. And I just felt those rocks under my feet. And I just said, thank you, Jesus. Because I don't know what you've got in mind. And here's some questions that have been just rolling around in my head over the last few weeks. Because God said, whether he said it verbally or not, here's what he said to us. He said to us, there's a plan that I have for you as a church and as a campus in Canton. There's a plan, there's a future that I have for you. And I think that that future is so great that I need to give this resource to you to help fund that future. And here's some questions that have been just kind of rolling around in my head. What is it that God is leading us to do in the coming years that he felt like entrusting us with a resource like this? What might God envision on that property? Or what might God envision us buying with the proceeds of the sale of that property? How many kids does God want us to help trust in him at an early age? How many students does God want us to help love him with all of their heart? How many singles does God want us to challenge towards purity and godly marriages? How many marriages does God want us to challenge towards mutually submissive love? How many people does God want us to connect to a place of ministry service? How many people does God want us to connect to biblical community? How many hurting, addicted people does God want us to preach and proclaim freedom to in the name of Jesus? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. You know what I know? God knows. And God knows, and I believe this with all of my heart, That the answer to all of those questions requires this 40 acres, $1.1 million to help position us to do and to be and to reach the people that God desires us to reach. So how do we do that? I mean, what is it that God really wants to accomplish? Because here's what I know. I, I am incredibly passionate about reaching lost people. I never, ever, 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 ever take it lightly that I get to stand here or sit here and, and, and preach and teach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love that God has entrusted into our neighborhood where we live. Corey and I talked about this just the other night. People that we know don't know him. Like our, our next door neighbors, the people, it, it's amazing. It's, it's so funny to me that pretty much all the people that live right around us, the houses that kind of touch our yard and our house and right on our street corner, none of those people really are in a growing relationship with Jesus. And I don't think that's by accident. And we kind of made a, a commitment to one another that we're going to be more intentional about reaching those people about reaching those families, about loving on those kids and those couples and those individuals because we believe that it's not by accident that God positioned us there to reach those people. 
But when I come onto this stage on any given Sunday, you have to know kind of what's in my heart. I shared this with our staff a few weeks ago. I have this deep burden to open up God's word and just connect the truth of God's word to people who are looking for truth. You know, some people in the room on any given Sunday have been walking with the Lord a long time, and they know the scriptures that we're talking about far better than I do, I'm sure. But I also know that on any given Sunday, there are people in the room that are still very new to this idea of trusting in God like we've been singing about, of opening up God's word and understanding in any way what God might be saying to them through the scriptures. I I don't know that I have the, the calling or the burden when I preach, to preach to people that have legitimately, literally never heard of the name of Jesus. There are people around this world who love to walk into those communities, whether that be in the United States or around the world, and they, they proclaim Jesus to some, peop- some people that have never, ever, 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 ever heard the name Jesus. And they get to expose them to this brand new idea of who God is and who Jesus is and what he means to them and what he did for them. And I love that. I don't necessarily feel like that's the way that God has wired me. I believe that God has wired me to reach people kind of like me. And what I mean by that is a group of people who are somewhat familiar with God and things of faith and things of the church, and that there's you know, this idea that you know, maybe they went to church as a kid, but then they dropped out of church, or maybe they went to church for a long time, but they never really experienced a relationship with Jesus as it relates to like a real relationship with him. Or maybe they, you know, they kind of walked in, but it was more of this religious idea than relationship with God. That it was a, a list of do's and don'ts that you don't break. And man, the moment you break those, you're a dirty, rotten sinner, and you, you got to get right or get left, and all these kind of things, CHCH, what's missing you are. I mean, all these amazing things. And some of you are giggling because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you have missed out on this incredible thing that I'm talking about. But it's, it's unbelievable. I love preaching to a group of people that I feel like like me, they're just trying to find God, and they're trying to find him in a way that's relevant to their life, that actually kind of pours in, digs deep in, roots out the things that don't belong to him. They love to be challenged through scripture, and I know that's not everybody in the room, and I'm not saying if that's not you that you don't belong here, because I, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I believe that God is calling us to find a personal relationship with him. You know, when we talk about helping people live a Christ-centered life, which we believe is kind of the overarching vision, drive, mission of our church, helping people live a Christ-centered life. For kids, it's helping kids live a Christ-centered life. For students, helping students live a Christ-centered life. We believe that. And it's not just like helping them hear about Christ. It's taking people that are not in relationship with Jesus or those that are in relationship with Jesus and helping all of us push Christ right to the center of who we are. And by doing that, guess what happens? We push out everything that's in the center that's not Christ. It's this idea that everything that I am, everything that I do is filtered through who Jesus is and who Jesus is to me. And so when we gather together, when we come together, I want us to have fun. I don't think anywhere in Scripture it says you cannot have fun in church. I'm a fun person, I think. Maybe I'm tricking myself. Right? I mean, hello. There we go. We're having a little fun. I mean, you know, it's still, yeah, we're having a little fun there. But I want us to have a good time. 
Like, I don't get freaked out and stuff like that. I mean, I got a little freaked out right there because I wasn't sure if the band came up and thought I was done. They're playing me off. It's the Emmys here. I'm done. I've given my allotment of time. I'd like to thank the Academy. Um, but what I, I want us to have a good time. I want us, at some point in our gathering, whether it's out in the lobby or out in the parking lot or when you come into this room, that you're, you're laughing. You're sharing stories with one another, people that you know, people that you're just meeting Maybe not just in this gathering, but things like couple to couple. Tonight's our third week of couple to couple. Man, we've had so much fun. We've laughed. We've cried. We've had a good time. We've had a lot of fun. I want those things to happen. The students went to Kegel's Dairy Farm last night with, I think, about every other person in Cherokee, Fulton, and Cobb County, if I understand it. I heard somebody say earlier that the people at Kegel's told them that 10,000 people went through the maze last night. That's a lot. That's a lot of folks, Right? We want to have a good time. That's why we do events like that, because we want people to have fun together when we gather. We just kind of want to be together. But I need your help with this. Can you help me? Okay, here's what I need your help with. This may not sound like something fun for you, but I need you to do the unthinkable. I, I need you to, I mean, like, just open up your minds to something that you think would never even be possible. And just show up generally when church is supposed to start. I mean, just kind of in the same time zone when church is starting. Now, here's why. I'm not beating on you. Listen, we run late to everything. I'll be late to my funeral. But here, let me just just say this. Let me me tell you why and how this is connected to helping people live a Christ-centered life, okay? You know who shows up on time to church? Type A anal retentive people. Right, And I'm not making fun of anybody else that's in the room that's always here on time, but kind of I am. And, listen, new people, visitors. And you know what they walk into? An empty room. They walk in and they go, oh, my God, we are the only people here today. He's preaching to me. If they have a call-up choir, we will be singing to no one. And so I need you to come be here. Like... Like when Sean and the band start singing, sometimes they're singing to more people on stage than they are in the seats. Now, eventually you get here because we're in Hickory Flat time zone. It's about 15 minutes after Eastern Standard Time, and I get that. Here's what I need, for real. Listen to me. Listen to me. New people come every single week. We get visitor cards every week just about. People showing up for the very first time. And they don't show, they heard church started at 10.30. They get here at 10.30. You may be a visitor in the room today and you're like, oh my God, he's calling me out. They're going to make me stand up in a minute and share my testimony. And we are, but that's later. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. But they fill out these visitor cards and they come and they check their kids in. And they come and they sit in this room. And it's pretty scary. And so I need your help with that. I, I need you just to come be fun a little earlier. Because I need you to help us create an environment where people want to be here and they think this is their church. Statistics tell us that we have less than six minutes for a visitor to decide if they're going to come back to a church or not. We don't even get to the second song. I mean, we're a while until I get to come up here and try to convince them this is their place. You know who interacts with them in the first four to six minutes? You. If you're here. So... I need your help in that regard. Help us create an environment where people want to be here. So what we're going to try to do, we're going to try to build stuff in pre-service 
in this room and outside, and we're going to have some things to try to raise the energy level. We're going to provide you with some coffee and things. Anytime you come, starting next week, 1020, 1015, it'll be here. You come. I mean, get here and help us create that kind of environment. I need your help because we want this to be a place where it's fun. I also want this to be a place that's real. It's just authentically us. Here's what I know, and I don't apologize for it one single bit. We're not any other church. We're just us. I know a ton of the pastors and leaders at the other churches in this town. And every one of them I've ever met, I like. Some of them I love. There's not a single one I don't like. They're pastoring, leading great ministries and great churches. Maybe you've met one that you don't like. Just don't tell me because I like them all. But we, we can only be who we are. We just got to be off. If we try to be somebody else, you're going to realize that we're being fake. And I, I don't think God's calling us to do that. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, there's this incredible illustration about the body of Christ. And I believe that it's more than just spiritual gifts. I think it's also the way that other churches interact with one another. There are churches that are called to reach a totally different segment of the population than we are. And I think we partner together. They're kingdom partners with us. We, you will, listen to me, and I want you to call me on this if you ever hear anything different from this. I'll give the staff permission. Corey has permission. Anybody in the room, if this is your first day, you have permission. If you ever hear me talking bad about another church... Call me down. You ever hear me talking bad about another pastor or another leader in this town or another one? Call me down. Because I believe for me that's sin. I, I, I don't believe, I'm not talking about correction, but if it's correction, I'm going to go to them. If there's an issue, I'm going to go to them. I will not stand up here and talk about what they're doing. You will not see me posted on Facebook. I'm not called to that. I don't believe it's edifying, building up of the body. If I have a relationship, I will go to them. If there's something about false teaching or something happening, I'll try to bring to light the false teaching that may be taking place. But you're not going to hear me talk bad about people because deep down in the core of who I am, I don't think that's who I really am. And I just want to be real. I just want to be authentic. And I want you to do that as well. I just want you to be you. I'm not asking you to come in here and be fake. Please, if you're hurting, show up and be hurt and allow us to just mourn with you and to grieve with you and to hurt with you and to empathize and to try to feel what you're feeling. If you show up and you're in a good mood, be in a good mood. If you show up and you're an introvert, I can't promise you I'm not going to try to get you to shake hands with people. I, that's just, I just love that kind of moment. But be an introvert. God uses every kind of person and he uses every kind of church. But I will not apologize that we are just us. We're just real. We just want to be authentic. We just want to chase after God. When, when the band starts, we just want to sing and we want to worship. And we may not do it the same way. We may not do the same songs other people do. We may do it at different volume levels, lower or higher. But we're just going to be us. We're going to do it the very best way we know how to do it. Because we just want to be authentically real. We just want to be who we are. The third thing that I want us to be is practical. Now, here's what I mean by that. I want it to be obvious that what we're doing in here connects to what you do tomorrow morning. That when you go to your job or you go to your school, that there's something about our gathering that connects to Monday morning, Thursday morning. I don't think that the gospel's only relevant to you when things start going bad. I think the gospel is relevant when things are going bad, but I think the gospel's relevant when things are going good. I think what we experience on a Sunday should connect to your life on Monday through Saturday. I believe that. 
It may mean that some Sundays, some sermons, some songs, some things, they connect a little more. Like we're talking about marriage as a topic or we're talking about this specific passage of scripture that deals with this specific topic. And man, that's what's going on in your life today. That's a little more, maybe more applicable for you this week. But we always want it to try to be obvious what's happening and how it connects to what's going on. We, we want to be practical. We want there to be some obvious application to your life tomorrow. The fourth thing that we want to do is we just want to be family friendly. And what I mean by that, if you don't have a family, if you're a single individual, you've still got a family. You just may, may think about it a different way. We're not just saying you only come here if you're married and have kids. and That's not it at all. But we want to create the kind of environment that those that might be pulled the most in the most different directions, more people in the house, they're doing a thousand different things. We want to be friendly to that. We're not just going to give you a thousand other things for you to do. We're going to try not to. We're going to highlight things that we think benefit you. I think that's my mic. I'm sitting on it. Sorry. See, isn't this fun? Um, We want to highlight things that are helpful to you, we want that, that are beneficial to you. And if it's not, we're not going to highlight them. We're not going to promote them. We're not going to push them. We, the things that we promote, the things that we push, the things that we offer, we want to be beneficial to you and to your family. We want to offer things to single individuals. We want to offer things to married couples. We want to offer things to kids and to students. And we want to offer things to those that maybe their kids are already out of the house or they're about to be out of the house. We want to offer things to senior adults. We we want to offer all of those things a place for you. There may not be a niche ministry that's specifically targeted to you, like, you know, 47-year-old brunettes that live in Woodstock. We may not have a group specifically for that. But we want to offer something that you can connect to that connects to your place of life. And so we want to have something that's friendly to families. And we want to just say, hey, listen, there's a place for you here. And it may not be how every other church does it. Or it may not be how the church you grew up in did it. And, but we're just trying to be real. And a part of us being real is doing this in the family-friendly way that we think. And, and so we have kids' environments for your kids. Birth to fifth grade every Sunday. Right down this hallway right here from the lobby. You can walk down that little hallway. And Pastor Blake and Sarah Snap lead our children's ministry, and there's an awesome team of volunteers that fill in the other classrooms, and they do curriculum. And I mean, even from the babies, they're singing songs, or there's music playing in the rooms, or they're trying to do color sheets with the toddlers that have a scripture verse on it, and they might be talking about that passage of scripture in our preschool environment. They've got a brand new curriculum they've just started where they're kind of connecting to God's word, and even the toys or the games that they're playing are connected to the stories that they're doing out of the Bible that day. In our grade school environment, they're connecting to a big God story, something that God's you know, word talks about, and they're playing games, and they're having fun, and they're singing, they're doing small groups. Throughout any given month, they're doing all those kinds of things to really connect those students, those children, to God's word. And as a parent, I, I want that to be a place where your kids are having fun and learning something. And it's connected to what you're learning, what you're doing, so families are growing together. We have a student environment. And I know on Sunday morning, I mean, in the three years, I've probably had, I don't know, several dozen people. No exaggeration, maybe more than that, I don't know. Ask me, like, do we want to offer, like, a, a student service on Sunday morning? Do we want to offer a middle school service or a high school service or something for student ministry on Sunday morning separate in the auditorium? And I know, I know that some churches do that. Even our Marietta campus offers that for middle school students. At this point, that's not something that we feel like we need to do or, or even really want to do at this point for a variety of reasons, including space in the building, the people that it would take to pull it off well, and it's somewhat redundant to our Sunday night experience. 
But the other reason is this. Statistics tell us, and if you've seen the statistics about children and becoming students and students leaving the church, then you've heard some of these things. But an overwhelming majority of students leave the church after they get out on their own. They graduate from high school, and really, a lot of statistics tell us they graduate from the church. And the number one thing that churches can do to combat that is integrate children and students into the lifeblood of the church. For students, the number one thing that connects students to the church beyond their days in the high school ministry of a church is that they are connected to the adult or large group auditorium worship service. And so we feel like that this is a place for students. We try to make sure that our topics are relevant. It may not be the most relevant to them, but we want to connect that. We want the worship songs to connect to them, and that's just our heart. That may change. Six months from now, we may offer a service that's out of this room. Five years from now, we may, it may look completely different, but today, that's just what we feel. We believe in a family-friendly way that by sixth grade, students, and they can start serving in, in our different environments, and a ton of our students do. I don't know the exact number, but Pastor Trevor and I were talking about it the other day. I think it's like 50 or 60% of our students that are active in our Sunday nights and in our small groups that they offer on Wednesday nights and Friday nights during the month. About 60% of those students serve on Sunday morning on one of our serving teams. That's awesome to me. And so that's, that's one of the things that we want to do. We want to offer events and family events and have things that we can do to be family-friendly. And I've talked about it, fun and real and practical and family-friendly. This is not new vision stuff. This is just things that we want to do and things that we want to be. And God knew that. We didn't just make this stuff up. I mean, through dialogue and prayer and conversation, we believe these were the things that God was laying on our heart, that this is who we are. And so whether we're in this building or we're in a building on 40 acres about 12 minutes from here, because door-to-door it's about 12 minutes, if we end up there or we sell that property and we end up somewhere else in this community or a little north of here or west of here or east, wherever it is, we believe these are kind of the things that we want to do and be. Fun and real and practical and family-friendly. And all of that is a part of us just pursuing God. None of that takes away any spiritual connotation. It's just what God's calling us to do and to be. But all of that fits in this idea that we want to help people live a Christ-centered life. And so you can help us with that. You can be a part of that. You can help. You can be here early and drink you some coffee and help people feel welcomed and come in here around the time that first song starts and, you know, help us create a warm, inviting room. And, you know, you, you can just be real. Just be, don't be fake. Be who you are. You can try to help me help you figure out why God's word matters to you beyond Sunday morning for 30 or 40 minutes. Connect the dots. Look to God's word and try to figure out how, how does this apply on my job? How does this apply in my school? I'm going to try to help you with that, but I can't like stand up here and go, okay, this is how it applies to you and this is how it applies to you. So figure out how it applies. Figure out how it's practical to you. Help us be family friendly. If you're not serving, jump in and serve somewhere and help Help create incredible environments in children and student ministries and plug in. Help us create these kind of things that we can do. But God knew all of that. God knew every piece of that and he's guiding us and he's providing for us. And when I think about that, it blows my mind. Joshua chapter 1 is this transition in the leadership structure of the children of Israel. Moses has been the leader of the children of Israel. He led them out of their Egyptian bondage, and he was leading them through the desert, and he kind of lost trust in God, and he was not going to get to go into this promised land that we read about in Genesis chapter 12. 
You remember in Genesis 12, which we read just a little while ago, that God was saying, hey, there's a land that I'm giving to you, Abram, and to your descendants. And the Canaanites lived there then. And they had sent some spies in, even during this season of the ministry here and of the time of the children of Israel. They had sent some spies in, and when they came back, 10 of the spies said, man, the Canaanites are still living there. They're big. There's giants. Like, it's scary. Their cities have walls around them. We can't defeat them. Like, we were slaves. We're not warriors. We're not fighters. I don't know how we're going to do this. Two of those spies came back with some good news. Said, yeah, it's, that's true. Man, there's some amazing things there. It's the land that flows with milk and honey. It's these amazing things that God is giving to us. And here's, here's what God says to Joshua. Interestingly, in Joshua chapter 1. If you've never read Joshua 1, read it today. You can read it quickly. It's amazing. Don't read it yet because I'm talking still. But Joshua chapter 1, he tells, God tells Joshua, don't be afraid. He's a brand new leader. If you're a leader, Joshua, the first part of Joshua is an incredible thing for you as a leader. But he says, don't be afraid. Be courageous because I'm God and I'm going with you. And this is what he says in Joshua 1 and 9. And then we're going to skip to verse 11. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Verse 11. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your own. I want to ask our host to go ahead and get in the back of the room. They're going to walk through over the next couple minutes as I'm continuing to talk, and they're going to hand you a bag that has some dirt in it. This is not just any dirt. Like, we just didn't go out in front of Sequoia and dig up a bunch of dirt because Sequoia would probably be mad about that. I told you I went to the property last night. I took my shovel. I drove up onto that 40 acres. And with the help of my sons, we dug up some dirt off the property. And this morning, we took the dirt that came from that 40 acres and we put it in a Ziploc baggie for every one of you. And then over the next few minutes, guys, when you've got it, you go ahead and start passing it out. Over the next few minutes, they're going to come by and they're going to hand you this Ziploc bag. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Don't open the Ziploc baggie and pour the dirt out on the carpet. And if you've got kids sitting with you, help make sure they don't do that as well. But did you hear what God said to Joshua? He says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Listen to this. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then verse 11 gives me chill bumps every time I read it. He says, listen, go to the camp, tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you're going to cross the Jordan. Listen, to go and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your very own. You know where they were going? Because there's tons of context here. They were walking into the promised land of Genesis chapter 12. Joshua was about to lead them across the river into the promised land. The land that had been promised to them in Genesis 12. But it wasn't just the promised land. You know what it was? It was the land of those giants that 10 of the spies talked about. They were going into the promised land, but they were also walking into the land of giants. You know where they were going? They were crossing the river to go into the land where milk and honey flows. But they were also walking into the land where the cities had big giant walls around them. 
but they didn't know how those walls were going to come down and how they were going to get in and take the land. I don't really know all that God might do with this 40 acres. I don't have the plan today. I mean, it'd be an awesome day if I could tell you there's 40 acres and I've got the plan and here's how it's going. I don't have that today. I've just got the words of God to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 that says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever, wherever, wherever you go. And then after he says that, he says this really cool thing. He says, go and take the land that I've already given you. You know what? You know what this dirt represents to me? This dirt to me is a reminder that where he guides us, he provides for us. This doesn't just stop with a church. This kind of stuff doesn't just only happen to churches. There are people around this room that could speak to this same kind of goodness from God that said, you know what, I didn't know how it was going to happen. God was kind of guiding us in this new direction. I was going to quit my job. I was going to get out of a relationship. We were going to move. We were going to do that. We were going to stay. We wanted to move. We were going to stay. We didn't know how it was going to work. And God was guiding us. And guess what? He provided for us. I mean, this has some incredible application for us as a church. But I want you to take this home with you. And I don't know where you put a baggie full of dirt in your house. I'm not sure. I haven't asked my wife where we can put ours yet. Mantle. But maybe you find a shelf. Maybe you put it on your dresser. Maybe you put it in that center console of your car. Maybe you find an even better way to house it than these Ziploc baggies we bought on sale. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm just trying to be fun. I mean, I'm just, you know, just what I can. Nailed it. Nailed it. But I want you to put this somewhere so that you can be reminded that God provides. That God gives promises to you just like he gave to Joshua when he said, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Not because you're strong and courageous. Because of the promise that I, your God, will go with you wherever, 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 wherever you go. Amen. I may have added a few wherevers. But that you can be strong and courageous and you don't have to be afraid or discouraged because God will go with you. Yes. And God's got a promise for you too. Just like he's got a promise for us, he's got a promise for you. And I don't know what that promise is and you may not. I hope you have some glimpse of that, some idea that God has for you, some dream, some plan, some hope, whatever it is. I don't know what that is, and maybe you don't fully realize it or know it, but here's what I know. When God's ready for you to cross over, he's going to tell you, you go, and I'm going with you, and let's go take the land that I've already given you. Because the truth was, in Genesis 12, it was no more theirs than it is in Joshua 1. It's just theirs the whole time. God had already provided, God had already given it, and he just allowed a bunch of other people to live there until he was ready to give it to them. Until they were ready to go take it. 
Same is true for you. Same is true for me. Same is true for us. At the exact moment that God's ready, he's going to say, now go take the land that I've given to you. Just put this somewhere that you can be reminded that where he guides us, he provides for us. A couple of prayer points that I want us to pray about today. I, I want us to pray and thank God for his provision. As we pray, I want you to just lay your hands on this dirt. And I want you to pray and say, God, thank you for this dirt. I mean, I wish that there was a million dollars in my hand that I could thank you for. (laughs) But there's a million dollars in my hand that I can thank you for. You understand what I'm saying? Thank you, God, that not only are you guiding us, but you are providing for us. And so we're going to pray for that. And then... I'm going to ask you just to pray personally. God, I need you to provide in this area of my life. And as I hold this, I'm reminded that you do that. And so, God, I just just show up. Show me. Help me not to be afraid. Help me to be strong and courageous. Help me, God, to do that. And then the second thing that I want us to pray about is for us as a church. I want us to always be about lost people. About going after people. And, and I, I asked you all those questions that I, they've been rattled around in my head for the last few weeks. And I don't know how many students we're going to reach and how many kids we're going to reach and how many people are going to be saved and how many people are going to be baptized and how many addicted people are going to be set free. I don't know that, but God does. But man, I, I want to be a part of that. And not because I get to preach on Sundays. I, I want to be a part of that personally. I, I want to be a part of the work that God's doing. And so I want... Corey and I to kind of lead the way. I want us to bring our neighbors to church. I want to engage in spiritual conversations with people that I know, that I know don't know him. Or having questions and concerns and doubts about things of faith. And you may feel so ill-equipped to have those questions. And guess what? Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Because the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. So I want us just to pray for lost people. That God would help us to reach our community. God would help us to reach the people that we know. And that starting today, that we're going to be more intentional about reaching out and connecting to those we know. Getting them here. Having conversations with them on, on the job, at school. Here's what I know. gather it's not just about us it's also about them and if what we do in here does not in any way connect to them out there I think we're missing a huge huge part of what God is calling us to so take this dirt in your hand Let's pray and thank God for his provision. And then if you have a need that you want God to provide for, let's pray and talk to God about that and ask him for that. And then let's pray for us as a church. That if God's entrusted this resource to us, he must have a humongous dream for us. That we as a people would be a part of helping accomplish what 
God is calling us to. God, I thank you today that you are our provider. I thank you today, God, that you are the giver of good things. And God, today, I thank you for this incredible blessing that our church, and specifically this campus, have been blessed with 40 acres of property valued at over a million dollars because you laid it on a man's heart to do so. And we don't have to raise money for that. We don't have to give towards that. You did that. God, thank you. Let us never lose sight of the fact that you are the God who blesses and gives. You are our provider. And now, God, I pray for every person in this room who has a a need that requires your provision. God, let us be reminded today that you do give good gifts. You're not a genie in a bottle that grants all of our wishes, but God, today you are our provider. And so I pray for every single one of those needs, that whatever that need may be, that God, you would meet it in a way that only you can so that we can give you the glory for what you're doing. I lift that up today. God, today I pray that whatever it is that you see in our future that required a gift like this, that God, we would embrace it. God, you would continue to lead us in that direction, that you would guide us there because you're providing for us there, that God, the promised land that you have for us, and it's not just about dirt, but God, the destiny, the future that's in front of us, God, that you would lead us there. God, as you lead us there, that we would be faithful stewards with wisdom and discernment, God. God, help us to get in on the action. God, let us engage the people in our lives who do not know you. God, help us to engage people that don't know you in a personal and real way, that don't have relationship with you. God, I believe that lost people matter to you, and so lost people should matter to us. God, help us to get in on it. Let this land be a reminder that you've got a future for us, that there are people that need to meet you, and God, we get to be a part of that. Every time we look at it, every time we touch it, God, help us to see it to get in on it, God, to bring people to this place, to engage them in spiritual conversations, to lead them to the Lord ourselves. God, let us fill this room with people who are pursuing you. Let us do it in a fun way. Let us be real and authentically who we are. Let us be practical as much as humanly possible. And God, let us just be family friendly in ways that help people to connect to you. Let us take down every barrier we can just to expose who you are, the truth of who you are, no matter how hard it may be to digest. God, we'll be quick to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for everything that you're doing in and through us. Because you're a good God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you do something with me? Can we just stand and clap our hands and thank God and celebrate who he is and what he's done for us?